0: Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Orrin. So, without further ado, here he is. We are um, in this uh, relationship series on you know community that Pastor Dave started back in September. I don't know how long this series is going to go. I don't think it'll be a hundred things series, but he hasn't set an end date. And so for this Sunday, I asked asked him, what do you want me to preach on? And he gave me kind of a freebie. So I thought I would kind of dive in and uh, preach on community. Uh, There's some things I I feel like God has put on my heart. And I'm going to step back into Bolivia for one more, a few more minutes. Um, One of the other highlights for me is when we went to visit uh, the church plant community. And we were kind of hanging out with Pastor Pablo and the kids, kind of watching him in action. And we had lunch um, on the church property. They have a piece of land that they hope to build a building one day. And they, they were very kind. They pitched a tent for us, you know, so we were out of the sun while we had lunch. And over lunch, we heard Pastor Pablo share his story with us, his testimony. And I always love hearing people's stories. And, like, we were just all, I think, enchanted as we heard about what God had done in this man's life. Uh. When he was three days old, his mother passed away. Before he turned one, his father also died. Uh, So he was left as an orphan before he turned one year old. And he ended up in a Catholic orphanage. And he didn't go into a lot of the details, but it sounded like his experience in the orphanage was not pleasant. Like there was a lot of pain, a lot of suffering there. So at the age of 11, he uh, escaped from the orphanage and began life on his own as a street kid. How many of you have an 11-year-old in your family around that age? I mean, can you imagine your child being on their own, living on the street? And he began working jobs. He would work um, you know, for the miners. He would bring them water. And for his day wage, they would give him a, a piece of bread. And he would try, try to find refuge at night, places to live. When he was 19 years old, some of his peers were giving him some trouble. And he was kind of in danger. His life was being threatened. I don't know the details. Uh, but he fled that situation, and he ended up in a Methodist church that kind of brought him in. About a week later, he gave his life to Christ. And everything began to change. In his 20s, he began as a youth leader, uh, ministering to, to youth. Uh, eventually became a Bible teacher, was teaching in a Bible school, eventually became the director. Uh, he's been involved in four different churches where he helped restart the church or plant a new church. When we were with him and with Paca, his face was just lit up. He, he was doing what God had called him to do. And here's a man whose life did not look very promising. He lost his parents, became an orphan, living on the street, and then God got a hold of his life and changed everything. This is what I love about the church. This is what I love about what I get to do, is watching God take someone's life and turn it upside down and change it forever. I don't know if there's anything in the world better than that, seeing God do that in a person's life. I'm so grateful personally for what God uh, did in my own life. You know, I grew up in the church, and, like, my home church was a good church, and, like, it was very foundational for me. But um, the one thing I was lacking in my younger years was the experience of true and authentic Christian community. Apart from my family, I wasn't walking the Christian journey with other people. And I was missing out on so much. My years in college were so critical because God allowed me to experience community for the first time. And it changed my life forever. There's this motto in Christian culture. I think we use it here when we talk about our small groups. But life change happens best in community. That we recognize to grow in Christ is not a solo endeavor. But we're called to to open up our lives before one another. And through that sharing of life, God does something miraculous and life-changing. And throughout this message, I want to walk through three moments in Peter's life where he encounters Jesus and it changes his life forever. Forever. And I believe as we look at Peter and Jesus' relationship, we're going to see three things that happen in Christian community that God wants that are life-changing. And, and, of course, it's Jesus, you know, so it's kind of like a special case scenario. But, and I really believe Jesus is the greatest small group leader that ever lived. Uh, he demonstrates what it looks like to put people first and how to build authentic community. But I also believe that Jesus has empowered us to do this today as a community. And here's the good news, I think, for us. God is still in the business of changing lives every single day. He's still doing it today, taking a life and turning it upside down through the work of his Holy Spirit. And he often does it through the context of Christian community through God's people, his body, the church, in action. I just want to take a moment and pray before we go any further. I want to thank you, God, for your heart for community. Uh, That what we desire in relationships is something that you have put within us, that you have designed us for because you have done this, God, that you want to you wanna make that happen. You want to see us experience true and authentic Christian community. And so today, God, I pray that as we look at it, your word, that you would give us hope, uh, that you would inspire us to really give our lives to you in the context of living out community as you desire it for us. And so I pray that your word would speak and lead us and change us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, I got got three points uh, this morning. The first one is, in life-changing community, people are pursued. In life-changing community, people are pursued. And the first encounter I want to look at is Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. These four men, two sets of brothers, were minding their own business, performing their daily duties as fishermen, an honest and demanding trade back in those days. And then Jesus shows up in their lives, and he doesn't talk about the weather He doesn't talk about the latest fashion in Galilee, what's on tap for the weekend. He goes right after these men in loving pursuit and makes the first move to invite them into the community that he is building. It's a very simple statement, come follow me. But it had life-changing consequences for these men. One of the most pivotal moments in my life uh, came my first night at U of I down in Champaign. Uh, my parents drove me down. My mom was bawling all day long. Yeah, I, I found my dorm room. I met my roommate for the first time, and we're getting our room set up. And then there's a knock on the door, and we open the door. There's two men that we have never met. An older gentleman who later found out was a pastor, and a very tall college student. They were from a local campus ministry and basically just said, hey, there's a bunch of people hanging out tonight. Do you guys want to join us? And we're two freshmen, our first day down at U of I. We have nothing better to do. So we said yes. And that night marked the entrance for me into the community that I would be a part of for the next four years and also for my roommate. And God changed the direction of my life through that Christian community. It all started with Pastor Wayne and Marty knocking on our door, asking us to hang out. A very simple request, but it changed my life forever. First moves in people's lives can change lives forever. And time and time again, we see Jesus making the first move in people's lives. He pursues us time and time again. And Jesus is modeling what he wants us to do in his community. In a community that's authentic and growing and life-changing, people pursue one another. They take notice of each other. They pay attention to one another. They seek one another out in care and concern. Deep within each one of us is that longing, that desire to be pursued, to be noticed by someone else, to know that we matter, and that, that people want us to belong and be invited in. It's part of how God has designed us in needing each other. And when pursuit is taking place in community, it's a beautiful thing. People's stories change forever, from being isolated to invited, from being on the fringe to a part of the family. And pursuing others is so important to our health as a community. Just like a a pond that doesn't have flowing water entering into it grows stagnant, Without pursuit and community, relationships grow stale. And and I get it. In our fast-paced lives, there are so many things that are pulling at us. So many things competing for our priorities, our attention. And we can easily miss out on this pursuit of other people. And I believe if we want to be a part of a community that's practicing the values of Jesus pursuing one another is going to be a regular thing. And honestly, it doesn't have to be very complicated. It can be done very simply through a phone call, just calling someone up and say, you know, I was thinking of you. I was just wondering, how are you doing today? What's going on in your life? And I know for guys, it's hard for us to do that. To, To pick up the phone, we need some sort of excuse to make that call. So come up with an excuse and then ask that person, you know, how are you doing? Um, I just want to know, how, how, how can I be praying for you? Or through a simple email, just you know, emailing someone, how's your week going? This is not very complicated. And I think, honestly, we need to ask ourselves at our church, how are we doing in pursuing one another? And that's a big question. I don't even think for the pastors, we have a sense for, everything that's going on in the context of community at Harvest. So it reminds me that this pursuit can't be done by just a few individuals, but it's on each one of us to really take hold of going after one another in community. If you look at your bulletin, uh, we have a next step section on the the back of the bulletin. Uh, There's a couple of suggestions I have for moving forward in this area. First, I think it's important to reflect on your own story, and, and just thank God for the people that have made the first move in your life, the people that have offered that invitation to you. To, to not only thank God, but maybe take the step of thanking them uh, for for going the extra mile to make a difference in your life. So that could be a potential next step for you uh, this week. Uh, another next step is instead of you know worrying about You know, 200 people here. Who is one person that God is calling you to pursue? And to to identify that person, to think and pray about that person, and then to begin to take action, to take initiative in their life as God uh, leads you. In life-changing community, people are pursued. Uh, The next point, in life-changing community, people are known. A true community has to move beyond just being invited in and belonging, but through time, people know one another deeply. Uh, the second encounter between Jesus and Peter happens in Matthew 16. It, it's interesting, in this passage, Jesus is asking his disciples uh, what people are saying about him in the rumor mill. Uh, who are people saying, I am? And then he turns uh, to his disciples and he asks them, this question, who do you say I am? What a question, what an invitation to ask someone else. Who do you say I am? And Peter takes on the question, he answers very boldly. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And as Jesus responds to Peter, I think he does something life-changing for his friend in this response. It says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, Simon son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of death will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice how Jesus begins this blessing referring to Peter's name and his lineage. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. That's that's Peter's past. And then Jesus declares a new name for his friend. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the Greek name is Petros, which means stone or rock. And Jesus has walked with Peter. For a while now and there's a depth to the relationship a level of knowing and intimacy and jesus sees beyond the surface of this man and he knows him well enough to give him a new name that speaks to peter's true identity simon you are like a rock you are strong you're a key part of my unfolding kingdom and you are now petros embrace and know your new name. The giving of a name is such a big deal as a parent. Your your child's name is the most important identifier that will follow them the rest of their lives. It is the one label that stands above all other labels. Our name carries with it our character, our reputation, our identity. So for those of you who are about to have a child, no pressure... But don't mess this up. Name your child well. I'm not complaining about my name. But growing up, I had to deal with having a first and last name that people had a hard time understanding and pronouncing. Uh, Back then, Jared wasn't very common. The subway guy wasn't on the scene yet. The jewelry store was not around. So I would get Jerry, Gerald, Gerard, I'm like, come on, people. And then my last name, I gave up a long time ago correcting people. I'm so used to errands. I mean, it's okay. If you call me errands, I mean, that's fine. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I, I've gotten so used to people messing it up. Well, each community group at our church has to name their group. Uh, what are some of our names for commun- community groups? Transformers, Vinehouse, House. Open House. Oasis, and I'm going to talk about Cheers right now. So, Yeah, so our, group, our group's name is Cheers, in part named after the, the TV show. And our group does not meet in a bar, just to declare that. But the, the, the lyrics of that theme song from Cheers kind of capture that heart for community. I wish in moments like this I could really sing, but uh, I can't. But the lyrics go, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. And this song speaks to our longing in relationships to be known. To be able to go to a place where people get you. And they're glad that you're there. It's more than just knowing someone's name or someone's Facebook profile. We want to move beyond that. We want to get to the heart, that people would know our hearts and soul and the depths of who we are. And I want, I want you to think for a moment, who in your life really knows you? Who knows the depths of who you are besides your, your spouse or your family? They know what you love to do in your free time. They know what your fears are and your greatest worries they know when you come alive and when you experience life to the fullest. They know the areas that you're really strong at. You really thrive. And they know the areas that you just continue to fall on your face and you fail. These are the types of things that we need to move towards to grow as a community that really knows one another. In community that's life-changing, God is calling us to go beyond the surface and get to the substance of who we are. In community that's life-changing, we need to help each other feel that we are known and accepted no matter where we're at in that season. In community that's life-changing, despite our struggles and our failures, we need to hear people call us by our new names. Names of who we are in Christ, that we are beloved, that we are strong, that we are capable, that we are gifted, that we are treasured. Back in the spring, I had the opportunity to go camping with one of my good friends uh, from college. And we've known each other for 15 years now, and so there's a lot of history, a lot of investment in that relationship. Uh, But he used to live in, in the city until the summer, and honestly, we saw each other probably once a year. That city and suburb divide is so huge. Uh, but every time we were together, it was, it was like old times. It didn't take long for us to kind of just feel at home with one another. And I was worried because we are going on this camping trip for about 24 hours, you know, car ride. And it's a lot of time for guys just to spend one-on-one, a lot of potential conversation. Uh, and we talked about, you know, mundane things like sports, but also very significant things uh, like marriage and just being a man who's trying to follow God. And it just really reminded me that relationships like that are very rare, uh, that they truly are a gift. So if you find a relationship like that, you've got to hold on to it. You've got to fight for it. If you don't have that yet, I really believe our community groups is that place where we're trying to foster those relationships. But it takes time, it takes patience. But to, to be known deeply and loved, I believe, is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us in community. And again, it's beautiful when it's working well. So, life changing community, people are pursued. People are known. And the last point is in life changing community, people discover why they have been created. People discover why they have been created. This is the final encounter between Jesus and Peter that we're going to look at. And it happens after Jesus, or after Peter denied Jesus three times and after the resurrection. So you can imagine the tension for Peter in this moment. He has failed his master, the one he loves the most. And his dreams, his future to be a part of Jesus' kingdom revolution are, are shattered, according to him. He returns to his life as a fisherman, and he's thinking he will never see Jesus again. And now in this moment, he stands face to face with the one he has denied and failed. It's John chapter 21. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care. Of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said finally, Feed my sheep. Jesus is doing two things here. The first thing that he's doing, he's mending the relationship between Peter and himself. The second thing he's doing, he's reestablishing the mission that he has for Peter's life. He's calling Peter forward in that greater purpose. Jesus is reminding Peter that he's been created to feed God's lambs, to take care of his sheep, to feed his sheep. Peter, you are a leader in my church. Remember that day I called you and you dropped your nets to fish for people. This is your mission, Peter. I don't want you to forget it. Jesus shows Peter again the grander purpose for his life. Okay, one more college story. Uh, My freshman year, I was in a small group. And we had a, a Bible study as part of that small group. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but during the Bible study discussion time my freshman year, I didn't utter a single word to contribute to the discussion. I was still unsure about this whole community thing. I was unsure whether I really belonged here. In my sophomore year, I began to get more involved in our small group At the end of the year, we were birthing that group, you know, splitting into two groups. We're not supposed to say splitting in the church, birthing. Um, And they asked my roommate and I to each lead one of the groups. And it was a very critical moment in my life once again. And I tried every excuse I could to get out of leading that small group, but I don't think I'm a very persuasive guy. I, I just caved in. Eventually took the the role of leader. And I I led that group, you know, for the next three or two two years. And it was through leading that group that God began to plant the seeds of a calling to be a pastor. Uh, Through that small group, I discovered some of the things that make me most alive. uh, That really get me fired up. And things that I believe God had created me to do with my life. I believe that's what God wants to do in his community. It's more than just belonging and being known. God wants to reveal his purpose for our lives, to serve him in his church. And community is like a mirror. And I don't know about you, I don't really like mirrors. Uh, but we, we see more closely than we ever before what we look like, how he's made us, what he's calling us to be. And yes, there are blemishes when we look in the mirror of community and we see ourselves. There's things we need to work on and grow in. But I also believe there's untapped beauty and strength that we have never seen before, that God reveals in the context of our relationship. This is a big question, but do you know what your mission is? Do you know why God created you to live on planet Earth? I mean, it's got to be more than making it to the next weekend. It's got to be more than your sports team winning the championship. It's got to be more than finding the best sale or deal or next thing to buy. It's got to be more than just providing for your family. There is a greater purpose and mandate on our lives. Just like on Peter's life. And Peter thought he was finished with that grander purpose. And Jesus once again showed up and he pursued him. And he told him, I'm not through with you yet. You're not done, Peter, until I say you're done. And Peter's reminded that God has a great plan for his life. There's there's a song being played on Christian radio a lot right now by Jason Gray called Remind Me. Who I am And the lyrics say, "When I lose my way and forget my name, remind me who I am. In the mirror, all I see is who I don't want to be. Remind me who I am. In the loneliest places where I can't remember what grace is, tell me once again who I am to you. Tell me lest I forget who I am to you, that I belong to you. Maybe you're here this morning, and if you were honest, you would say you've forgotten who you are. Maybe you've lost sight of that grander vision, that grander purpose that God has for your life. Or maybe this is something that's completely new to you. This message might be the start of God reawakening something in you. But I believe there are things that need to be shaken, shaken out, and processed in the context of our relationship. And that God wants to invite us into a community that's so meaningful uh, that it reveals who we are in Christ and the plans He has for us. In a community that's working well, people will discover what their mission on planet Earth truly is. As I conclude, I, I just want to recognize also that, you know, as we talk about community that's life-changing, uh, maybe your experience in community right now is not what it needs to be, and you're hoping for so much more. And I, I want to close by just sharing why I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful in our quest to be a community uh, that's centered on Christ. Um, our hope ultimately lies in, in God And really banking on him uh, that he really desires for us to experience this type of community. Uh, That he made us with with a hole for relationships that even he can't fill. And that he will be the one that will stand in the gap when other people fail us, because they will. He will stand in the gap and fight for us to be the community that he desires us to be. And I truly believe as we just continue to pursue God, he will win the day for his bride. That we will experience community that's life-changing, that's deep and growing and healthy. A place that you're pursued and that people are looking out for you. A place where others know you deeply. They know what makes you tick, what makes you come alive. And a place where we discover who we truly are and what our mission together is to build God's kingdom. And so as we, we come uh, into prayer right now, I just want to invite us to, to put our hope back in God, uh, to give ourselves fully to him, uh, to become the people that he longs for us to be. Uh, so I want to just invite you now, just to you know, quiet your heart and, and bow your head. And just take a minute now just to, to reflect and just just continue to listen to God and and see if he has something to say to you. God, as a a community, we just want to begin by just offering you thanks. Because for many of us, uh, we sit here this morning and and we recognize, God, that you have changed our lives forever that you've brought people into our lives that have pursued us and loved us and helped us experience your great love for us. So we want to say thank you, God, for the relationships, the the families, the the community that you've you've given us throughout our, our history. And God, we want to be a church that honors you that's practicing the things that you ask of us as a community. And God, we know we're not perfect and in many ways we fall short. But today we recognize, God, that as you have pursued us and loved us first, God, you call us uh, to pursue and love one another. And I pray this week for our community, God, that we would raise the bar on pursuing each other, that we would go beyond the weather and sports and the kids and would begin to talk about things that are deep within our hearts, things that we're passionate about, things that we're broken over, ways that we're struggling and hurting. God, that that would happen in our community this week, that people would unveil themselves, that we would know one another deeply, for those of us who might be struggling with our purpose on this earth, our career, what we're going to do with the rest of our lives, God, I pray that as we walk with one another, that you would speak through our community and reveal the plans that you have for our lives. We pray, God, that you would just give us hope to recognize, God, that you have good plans for us, God, and that you will continue to lead the charge take care of us, that you will be our great shepherd no matter where you take us in life. So God, as we come again to worship you through singing, God, we just continue to avail ourselves to you, ask that you would continue to speak to our hearts the things that we need to take away from this morning. But God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, Uh, not only in this life, but life Evermore, So we put our hope in you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.